There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. I have some very important prophetic questions for you. Number one, why did Jesus talk about his return as one who would come as a thief in the night? And also, Jesus compared his return and the condition of the church in that day to the days of Noah. And when you really inspect that parabolic comparison, the church The members of the church are the ones who would really want to be left behind. I know that sounds contrary to the normal way you hear it presented, but I believe you'll be stunned by how clear it is in Scripture that that is truly the case. We want to be left behind. First, let's focus our attention on Jesus coming as a thief in the night. There are seven verses in the Bible where this comparison or this uh, metaphorical contrast is given. And I'm going to go ahead and give you all of those verses. I know you may be listening to this podcast when you can't write them down, but they will be in the notes on cpnshows.com. So you can go there and get them at a later time. The seven verses are Matthew 24, verse 43, Luke 12, verse 39, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 and 4, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, and Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. And we're going to go through all of these one at a time. First, let's go to the Matthew 24 discourse. And this is one of the main chapters that is rich with prophetic utterances about the last days. The disciples came to Jesus and said, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming? And Jesus gave some very detailed information. Let's start with verse 36, where he gets into this comparison with Noah. He said, but that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only, which was a very curious statement because Jesus was God manifested in the flesh and to claim that only the Father knows the day and the hour is a very strange statement indeed. But let's continue. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. As the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, you would think he's going to describe a very depraved condition, lots of immorality abounding, ungodliness in the culture, but that's not what he references. He says, as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For, as in the days before the flood, They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. He's not talking about wickedness. He's talking about 
an apathetic state of mind. They had heard Noah's preaching, but they were oblivious to it. They were ignoring it, and they were just going on with life, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, which are basically not sinful activities unless taken to an extreme. And of course, if the drinking involves alcohol consumption uh, and drunkenness, but I don't believe Jesus was referring to that. I believe it was his way of saying people will be going on with life as normal, thinking that everything is fine, everything's going well, and then they'll be surprised when it takes place. They did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. This is a very curious verse, the next two verses, actually. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Hmm. Two women will be grinding at the mill, the one will be taken. Focus on that word, the one will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And I'll get to the thief comparison in just a moment, but I've got to focus on this statement. Jesus said, two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at a mill, one will be taken and the other left. But refer back to the statement before that. It said that Noah entered the ark and they did not know until the flood came and took them away. So the ones that were taken away were the unrighteous, the ones that refused to listen to Noah's preaching, and the flood came and took them away. So also two men will be in the field, one will be taken. Taken by what? By the flood of judgments that come in the last days. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left, just like the flood came and took them away. Last day judgment sweeping through the world like a flood will wipe out a great majority of the human race. I don't believe it will be exactly 50%, but I believe it was Jesus' way of saying that the uh, a great number of people uh, will be wiped out in the human race in these last days. But then he goes on to say, know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Well, he wasn't referring to coming as a thief, as something that would take place prior to the problems of the last days, but he positioned that statement after this analogy between the flood and tribulations coming into this world in a massive sense. Let's go to the next one, uh, Luke chapter 12 starting with verse 35. He said, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master when he comes will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. 
And if he should come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants. So again, he's pronouncing blessedness on those that have a watchful attitude concerning the coming of the Lord. But then he says in verse 39 of Luke 12, know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would not have watched and he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Well, who's the master of the house? It's a reference to Satan. And if he had known exactly when the Lord was going to come, the analogous comparison is that he would have watched and tried to prevent this from taking place. Of course, uh, the truth of the matter is that even if Satan mustered all of his forces and did his best to try and prevent the coming of the Lord, he could not accomplish that. But Jesus is saying, be ready for the Son of Man comes in an hour when you think not or when you do not expect it. Now let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this is where it indicates very clearly that even though the world is unaware of the timing of the coming of the Lord, the church should be sensitive to the seasons, maybe not the hour, but the times and the seasons should be very evident to us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 to begin with, and then we'll continue on. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now it doesn't say just that the Lord himself will come as a thief in the night, but the day of the Lord, and that's a very important distinction. Because I believe that Jesus will return on the last day of this age. That's what he indicated in his preaching. He said in John chapter 6, All the Father gives me shall come to me, and I will raise him up at the last day. The last day is the last 24-hour period of time in this age of grace, right before the dawning of the millennial era when Jesus will reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords on this planet. And so the day of his coming is synonymous with the day of the Lord, because the day of the Lord is when his vengeance will fall on the earth, his wrath will encompass this planet, he will crush all the opposition, he will destroy the Antichrist with the brightness of his coming, And that's also the same day when the catching away of the saints and the rising of the dead who are dead in Christ will take place. All of this is on the last day, the day of the Lord. And he said, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Now listen to the next verse, verse 4 of 1 Thessalonians 5. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day, capital D, referring to a special day, a distinctively different day than any other day, the day of the Lord. You, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. So you're going to know, you're going to have that insight given by the the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the one who leads us and guides us into all truth, he will speak to the hearts of believers the 
knowledge, the understanding of when this will take place. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. And this is a very important verse. Chapter 5, verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in a few moments, I'm going to explain how that's going to take place. I do not believe that the church in the last days will be a recipient of the wrath of God. I absolutely agree with 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, those who embrace a pre-tribulation rapture concept believe that we will be whisked out of this world and the church will disappear seven years ahead of time in order for us to escape the wrath that is poured out. But that wrath is reserved to a single day. Remember, in the book of Revelation, it says the great day of the wrath of the Lamb has come, and who shall be able to stand? And we'll cover this subject more thoroughly in another episode. But a Lamb ordinarily does not have wrath. It doesn't have the ability to retaliate. It has such a gentle and meek nature. You've never seen an angry Lamb. But that was God's way of saying that the horrible wickedness that will prevail in the human race in the last days will push the Lamb of God even to the point where he, the Lamb of God, will exhibit wrath. But we will not experience the wrath of God. And again, I'll explain that in a few moments. Next, we see a little bit different application and understanding of this concept of a thief in the night. In Peter's writings, Peter takes it to a whole new level. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, all the way through verse 13. But you, beloved, do not forget this one thing, and this is very important, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. For the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Here it is now, verse 10 of chapter 3 of 2 Peter. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all of these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hasting to the coming of the day of God, a 24-hour period when God will shift the authority of this realm. See, a thief comes to steal the most valuable possessions a person has. And the most valuable thing Satan has in, in his control is the domination of the nations. 
that he has infiltrated the cultures and the nations of this world with his satanic influence, his dark influence, and for him to lose all of that where the kingdom of heaven will permeate every nation and every culture is stealing from him or taking from him his most valuable possession because then he has no realm over which to rule. He's been cast out of heaven. He has no place to abide. And of course, he'll be thrown into the lake of fire. So he'll lose the thing he values the most, and that is authority over the peoples of this earth who are not yielded to the lordship of Jesus and authority over the the political structures that so dominate this planet. And there is none, not one political structure or governmental structure that is not flawed in one way or another. And Satan has infiltrated them all to one degree or another. Thank God we in the United States live uh, in a system that is has been up to this point better and far more free than other systems of government but we are in jeopardy right now of losing those things and certainly need to uh, exhibit uh, what's necessary to take our freedoms back or to do what's necessary. All right, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, Peter said, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. Can you imagine the universe imploding, the star systems, the galaxies, uh, just on fire with the fire of God as it licks through the universe and everything begins to melt and change. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Well, is that going to happen at the coming of the Lord, the second coming of Christ? What about the millennial reign? What about the thousand-year-long reign of the Messiah, the Messianic age? Well, a day from our perspective, is 24 hours long. A day from God's perspective is a thousand years long, and it can apply to both. God can have layered meanings in this statement. The day of the Lord could be a single 24-hour day, or it could be a day that is a thousand years long that begins with that 24-hour day of darkness. The day of the Lord is darkness, It's thick darkness, the Bible says. It's a very dark time, but it will unfold to the Messianic era for a thousand years because a thousand years is as one day and a day is as a thousand years in heaven's time clock. Okay, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now, there is also a warning to individuals in Revelation chapter 3 concerning Jesus coming as a thief in the night. And this is to those who are not living according to biblical standards. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, and that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die. It's a nearly totally backslidden church. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Verse 3 of chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. Listen closely. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch. So there's that concept of watching and praying, being vigilant 
being watchful concerning the coming of the Lord. If you have, therefore, remember how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Now, this particular verse refers to something completely different than all the other verses that are talking about Jesus and the day of the Lord coming as a thief in the night. This is on an individual basis of someone who values living by their own human will, doing their own thing, indulging in their own pleasures. And Jesus will come and take all of those things from their life very abruptly, and and they'll realize how futile and fruitless their lives were because it was not dedicated to him. Uh, and so it means something completely different, but I wanted you to hear that. Now, the next reference is extremely important in understanding this concept of Jesus coming as a thief in the night. It's Revelation chapter 16, starting with verse 13. And actually, this is, this is referring to the final climactic end where all nations are gathered together against Jerusalem to battle. This is not seven years prior to the end of the age. This is the final conclusion. This is after the sixth uh, vial of wrath is poured out. And Revelation 16, 13, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day, a single day now, that great day of God Almighty. And Jesus said, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon, the valley of Megiddo, which is there in Israel outside of um, Jerusalem. All right. What does this mean? Blessed is he who watches. If we're gone, if we were caught up seven years prior to this, if believers are not in the world, why would he say, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame? He would have included that the majority of you who are alive seven years prior to the coming of the Lord and the battle of Armageddon will already be in heaven, so not to worry. But instead, he says, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked. In other words, you're not walking with a robe of righteousness, clad with zeal as a cloak, wearing the garments of praise, the kind of spiritual clothing the Bible urges us and exhorts us to wear. So walking in real Christian devotion and dedication. And they see his shame. Who is they? Those who are outside of a covenant relationship with God see those who are compromising the gospel foiled and thwarted in their attempt to straddle the fence and be partially religious and somehow blend in with the world too. He said, blessed is the one who watches and keeps his garments, stays holy before God, separated from the world and walking in righteousness. Now, let's go back to the gospel of Luke chapter 17. 
When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say, and they will say to you, look here or look there, do not go after them or follow them. Well, again, if the church was not here, why would he give this exhortation? For as the lightning flashes out of one part under heaven, shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. It will be an illumination of the entire atmosphere, the sky. The Bible even says that the light of the sun will be like the light of seven days in the day when the Lord comes to heal the breach of his people or the separation between heaven and earth and the separation between God and human beings. He's going to heal that breach. He's going to bring us into total oneness with him. But on that day of the return of the Lord, the brightness of his coming will be so intense it will be like the combined sunlight of seven days. Then he said, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Then again, the Noah analogy. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day, the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And then he gave an analogy with Lot. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, he didn't reference the depravity of those who lived in Sodom, but again, the complacency. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Going on with life is normal. But on the day, remember that, the 24-hour day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And in that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. And then this strange comparison again. He says, I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together, the one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field, the one will be taken and the other left. And they answered him and said, where, Lord? And he said to them, now this is the New King James Version, wherever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. However, when you go back to the original language, it could easily be translated vultures and for that reason, the complete Jewish Bible renders it completely different. They asked him, where, Lord? And he said, wherever there's a dead body, there will the vultures gather. So he's talking about devastation and ruin and disaster in this world in the last days. And he compared it to the flood coming in the day that Noah was placed in the safety of the ark and the fire coming in the day that Lot was rescued and taken out of the city. So I have many people use those two analogies in discussing these things with me and say, well, the very fact that 
Noah and his family were rescued, and the very fact that Lot was rescued before the destruction came is an indication that a pre-tribulation rapture is the correct view. However, the destruction and the rescue took place in the same day, and that's very important. Okay, let me explain why that's important, because I call it the Isaiah explanation. In Isaiah 26, verses 19 through 21, listen to these words closely, and I'm going to close with this. He said, your dead men shall live. Together with my dead body, they shall arise. He's talking to his covenant people, and he says, your dead men shall live. He's referencing the resurrection. Your dead men shall live. Together with my dead body, they shall arise. He's talking about his resurrected form, that he came forth resurrected from the grave. Awake and sing, you who dwell in dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. What does that mean, your dew is like the dew of herbs? Well, just like the sun rises and the dew evaporates, so also when the sun of righteousness arises in the second coming, when he appears in his brilliance and radiance and magnificence, then it's going to be time. It's going to be time. The, the dew of the night is evaporating away and the day is dawning. And he says, come my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself as it were for a little moment until the indignation is overpassed. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, the earth also will disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. I believe when God said, come my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you, hide yourself as it were, but for a moment. He's talking about the resurrection of the dead and the translation of living believers on the last day of this age, how we're caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and then wrath is poured out on the world that will envelop the world, envelop the planet in one day's time, and then we will return victoriously with him. All to happen within one 24-hour period of time. I believe that makes sense because two, we're rising to meet him as he triumphantly enters. We're celebrating his coming. It's like the triumphant entry of a Roman general returning to a city after the conquest of an enemy on the battlefield. We go out of this uh, earthly realm to meet him in the air, and we welcome the returning King of Kings and Lord of Lords back to this planet. But in the interim between rising to meet him and returning with him, the destruction of the planet takes place. And the Bible did talk about Babylon falling in one hour. And so I don't believe it's going to take a lengthy period of time for that final judgment to take place. And the coming of the Lord is very plainly going to take place in one event, not a divided event, not the disappearing of the church seven years ahead of time. If that were the case, then the Matthew 24 discourse is totally illogical because over and over again, Jesus talked about them seeing something. He said, for instance, in Matthew 24, 15, he said, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Whosoever reads, let him understand. 
That The abomination that makes desolate is the most abominable sin that will bring desolation on this planet. And that is the Antichrist sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That was prefigured by Antiochus Epiphanes in 167 BC, when he offered up a pig on the altar in the temple, and of course, uh, dedicated it to Zeus and then uh, devastated Jerusalem. That was kind of a prefiguring of the greater abomination that will take place in the last days with the false Messiah. But if this was not something God's people would witness, Jesus would not have said to the disciples he was talking to that day, when you see the abomination of desolation, he would say, you don't need to worry about this because those who believe will be gone. But instead, he approached it differently. And he said, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of the house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that your flight be not in winter or on the Sabbath, for then shall be great tribulation, such as the world has not seen from the beginning, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days would be shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Who are the elect? The word elect is from the Greek eklektos that is also translated chosen. And so those who are part of the chosen generation of believers who are still alive in the world, they will be among the elect that Jesus is referring to here. So once again, I believe all of these are very sound, fundamental truths that prove a post-tribulation catching away of the saints and a coming of the Lord that will not be in secret, but will be very evident to the whole world. Every eye will see him when he comes back again, when the resurrection takes place, and when the believers who are alive are translated to meet him in the air. I urge you to listen to every episode dealing with this subject, because in order to get a full round view of everything I've said, you've got to listen to episode one, two, and this third episode, and also the next episode that will bring some further truths to light that I believe will be a great blessing to you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shreve's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.